Thomas, what's up? Hey, good morning, good morning. How are you? I am crazy as I want to be this early in the day. How about yourself? Yeah, myself included. It's so hard to get motivated <laughs> in the morning time. I hear you on that, sir. I so do. So, um, I actually just got off the phone with Rusty, believe it or don't. Um, and we were go going over some points in the trial and stuff. He just... Thomas, I'm telling you, they're giving that man a runaround. Yeah, they give everybody the runaround. It's, it's, it's almost everybody anymore. You know, it's, it's, almost, it's almost to the point to where, like, they don't even care. They're just they're just doing whatever they want to do. Yeah, so he's about to get his 29th attorney. He was supposed to start like this week, I guess, um, with the uh, public defenders services. And th this guy is a former attorney general. So, of course, he's writing against, you know, the habeas corpus to to, you know, find it unworthy, I guess. So he's flipping sides, and that kind of makes me a little nervous. I mean, in a way. <laughs> hmm. Why? Well, I mean, granted, I mean he's been working yeah. against the the inmate for so many years. Now he's going to know all the ins and outs and what will be accepted through a habeas. But why do you flip? Why do you switch? Why do you switch motion? Like, why do you go from the state? To, well, you're still for the state, but why do you go from against four? You know, like, what do you have a change of heart? What do you mean, as far as going from a, a private attorney to a prosecutor? No, I mean from going from being a, a, the attorney general's assistant, writing for every habeas corpus that comes in against it to keep that person, you know, incarcerated. To say that their habeas corpus is crap and that they don't deserve to be released to going to work for the public defender and helping win habeas corpuses for for the inmate. A lot of prosecutors switch over to into lawyers, into defense, but very rare do defense attorneys switch over into prosecutors. And I think that's because right. I think that's because they they understand the corruption. They see the corruption. And I think that it's more lucrative, for one. I just, I just actually think that a lot of them see the corruption in the court system and feel that they can do something about it or know that they can, they can help in some kind of way. Right, right. But switching over to defense... Yeah, I mean Switching over to defense is, is a lot more lucrative than than being a prosecutor. Would have to be more uh, rewarding on on a mental level, I would think, to help people than to continue to keep people incarcerated, especially if they're in on a wrongful conviction. You know, Debbie, I personally from my from my understanding and education that's ongoing with this criminal justice system and this, this prison industrial system. Attorneys are just as guilty as prosecutors are. Attorneys know that they're violating our rights. Attorneys know that what they're doing is unconstitutional. So 
it's 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 a very difficult task because you do have some attorneys that really believe in the criminal justice system, believe in the Constitution, and believe that the system is working, and and they're willing to give their all in it. But you have some that that are just working the system for for monetary gain, and that's what I had going into my trial, you know. And when I started asking about some of the you know illegalities of what was going on in the court, my attorney told me, my own attorney that I paid for told me, don't ever bring that up in court because they'll deem you as crazy and you'll never get another motion written in the court again. He said, don't ever say that around any attorneys, any prosecutors, anything like that. So I didn't understand that at that time like I do now. And I've been trying to get an interview with him and he won't interview me now. He's he's not even a, a defense attorney anymore. He's in security. But he won't he won't interview me or he won't come on the show with me. But so, you know, wow. it's it's just that they these all these people know. Anyone that has been wrapped up in the system understand the corruption and and everything that's involved in criminal justice. And the common citizen doesn't understand that until they get wrapped up in it themselves, either either themselves or their, their child or, you know, spouse or however. Then they start seeing right. the corruption, the power. And then you, you sit uh-huh. back and you're like, what the hell did we just get wrapped up in? You know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, I haven't told you this yet. But uh, they just put my son, my stepson, in jail February the 5th because there was a murder in the trailer park he lived in. And now they've got him in jail for first-degree murder. So I'm not only working on Rusty's case, I'm waiting for his grand jury trial to see if they actually indict, which I know they will. On what evidence, though? Because prosecutors... Yeah, exactly. They don't have anything, according to his attorney. Um, he was in prior trouble, not for, uh, you know, anything that serious, but cops got his name. You know how that goes. Yeah. See, when an attorney says they don't have anything on him, the very next question needs right. to be, then why is he in jail? Get his ass out of jail today if they have nothing on him. Because then they have no right to hold him. Well, what they have, basically what they have is two um, statements from two, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, meth heads that live in the trailer park. And, you know, they, they heard gunshots on the first, the second, or the third. They're not even sure when. And so on the fifth, they find this dead body. and. Yeah, it's just like, are you kidding me? It's it, I've I've read what little bit there is to read. Now they've sealed his file. I can't even get into his file. His attorney's checking to see why they put a protection order on it, which makes no sense to me. If there's nothing there, why protect it? Unless you're going to arrest somebody else. Yeah, it's still under investigation. And your son's not cooperating yeah. with them, is he? 
What do you mean cooperative? He ain't saying shit. Well, what I'm saying is a lot of times when they seal something, it's an ongoing investigation based upon either uh, testimony from your son, something he said, or something that they're saying that there's something there that they locked everything down and is 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 continuing the investigation which again is all it all of this is unconstitutional it's all unconstitutional debbie because they're they're holding this man they're holding this man and they're building an investigation against him with no evidence that he committed a crime right and my question is this and it has been forever if they interviewed, if the police officers interviewed two other people in the trailer park, um, and they they knew about this crime because they heard the gunshots and they didn't report it, why are they not accessories after the fact, and why aren't they arrested? These are all questions that never get unfolded. They they could be these guys could be working with the feds or the police for years. Who knows? You know, there's there's a guy there's a guy that lives across the street from my father. And my father has been having a problem with this guy for years. And this guy is a serious meth dealer, right? And all the everybody knows it. The police know it. Everybody knows it. And and they've called the police on this guy. They just go out there, walk around the the property and then they leave nothing ever happens but this guy's been buying up all the property around my father's house and turn it into like a junkyard and all of this stuff right but come to find out the dude is an informant the guy's an informant he's been working with the police so what happens is right and and again this is what the community has to understand these police officers, these government agencies are pushing dope in our communities in order to allow crime to happen so that they can go in and arrest these people. They're using informants. They're using people with addiction. They're using people with mental instabilities to go out and commit crimes so that they can go and arrest these people now. This is what happens. And they label it under an ongoing investigation. I understand completely and entirely what you're saying. I've watched it happen in multiple communities. And then now when, now when somebody like your son, not saying, well, let's not use your son in this case, but now when somebody goes out and commits a crime, whether it's murder or robbery or carjacking or whatever it is, that person is charged with that. But if that investigation, this quote unquote ongoing investigation wasn't there, these crimes would have never happened. Right. Yeah, you make you make a very valid point. It's it's crazy, and I don't know how we get the reform we need. I mean, what you're doing is fabulous. It's just being heard by the right person that has enough power to change it, and it doesn't seem like anybody wants to change because they're all you know the people at the top are are winning. They're controlling. And as long as we stay divided and the community keeps shunning us and, and ignoring our words and things of that nature, that's what's going to happen. But slowly but surely, absolutely. My, my goal with this podcast is, is, to, is to reach 
reach enough ears and plant enough seeds because when the truth is there, when you've been exposed to the truth, you can only deny it for so long. So when the education is there and the people are hearing what I'm saying and now they're seeing it unfold in their own communities, that's when people are going to stop hating against us and shunning us and start understanding how we've been put in these positions to commit the crimes that we have. And then that, I think that's when unity will really start to come and take form. Mm. Yeah, you're in the time of the fifth dimension consciousness right now. So everything that's hidden will be seen. Let's just see how long it takes. We don't have yeah. long, I feel. I know, I know we don't. I know you're right. You're absolutely right on a spiritual level. I can feel the walls closing in. Yeah. <coughs> so, uh, where where are we at, <coughs> and and what kind of timeline do you think we're looking at? As far as as far as um interviewing well, with, with Rusty. I don't know because I don't know what this new attorney's going to want us to do or think is advisable where his case is concerned I have yet to even speak to this man I mean I just can't say I just, I just know that I want you to know the story so that when I'm talking to you or he's talking to you you, you already have your background knowledge of it that's where I'm at because yeah. you know information is powerful yeah no question and I appreciate that I appreciate the communication well I'll tell you the, 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 they got him on a complete circumstantial evidence case there's absolutely nothing that puts Rusty at the scene there's nothing at all that puts him there and and his defense attorneys while while I think they sided with the prosecution on many, many things, um, they, they didn't investigate, they, you know, I mean, typical public defender, you know, or even paid defender, you know, in your case. Yeah. They just, they don't, they just don't, they've got so much and it's just easier to let the state take over and just stand there and object every once in a while. You know, it just depends. You know, again, like I say, it's it's a ch it's 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 all a game to these people. You know, and an attorney, yeah. you know, an attorney will come in and tell you, right, Debbie, this is the first time that you've ever been in trouble. Just take a plea bargain, right? Take probation. You'll you'll finish your probation in six months, and then you can go on with your life. This is what your own attorney will tell you, just to just to give you. The conviction gets you out of the way. He gets paid. He makes it look like he got you a great deal. And that's it. And you walk away telling everybody, man, yeah, he did the best that he could. He, he got me a plea for this, for just probation. I was facing jail time. It's all a sham. It's all yes. a sham. And it's all in order to get you a felony conviction. Yep. That's what and it's about. And they come against you with a now, not all attorneys are that way, but there are some that have that have fell victim to the overpowerment of the government. 
And it's, it's one of those, you know, if we can't beat them, join them type of things. So the attorneys that aren't on that are pulling their hair out and ripping their hair out because it's so hard for them to defend a case because the chips are so stacked against them. Uh-huh. Well, the prosecutors need to have some repercussions for lying. and I mean, they have full immunity. They can say what the hell ever they want, especially like a grand jury trial and stuff. They can lie their face off. Amen. To get that indictment. And there's no repercussions. And these are and- some of my solutions. And see, when I bring these to these representatives, they shut me down. This is why they censor me. This is why they're trying to shut me down. Debbie, because of this, and that's why I know that my solutions are the ones that are striking nerves with them. Because when I get into a room with these people and they want to start talking about good time, parole, early release, all of this shit, right? I tell them, no, I'm not having a conversation about that because the system is still being fed. What this conversation here today is about is about stopping feeding this this system stopping the people from getting felony convictions and how we do that is one exactly what you just said debbie we start holding these prosecutors accountable if a prosecutor can bring charges against me right and stack charges against me if i'm found guilty on any of those are not guilty if i'm found not guilty on any of those charges then i have the capabilities to turn around and sue that prosecutor or the state for legal damages that has occurred to me absolutely that has occurred to me from these false accusations because there's no way that somebody can just walk around and make all kinds of false accusations have my name slandered in the news have me look in a certain way in the community ruin my career all in the face of 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 finding not guilt and then this prosecutor gets to go on with their lives as if nothing happened. They just go right on to the next case. And I got to, after I've done spent my whole life savings defending myself, I got to turn around and rebuild my life. And that is yeah. completely unfair. So we, ha- we have to take away, we have to strip them of their immunity and start having them accountable for their actions. And they'll stop. And that will stop them from stacking all these charges on people to try to get them to plea out to a charge. Yeah, but then here's the problem with that. I mean, not my problem, their problem, in that then the prisons aren't full and the jails aren't full and they're not making the almighty godforsaken dollar. You know, I mean, it's all about, it's like legalizing weed. They did it so they could make revenue off of it. Come on, we're not stupid. They didn't do it because they know that it has good benefits for some people. That's, it's just, it's always about, it's always about themselves and and their hierarchy. It's never about us. And it never will be, Debbie. And this is what I'm trying to get the citizens to understand, that we are enslaved. You think that we're free. People think that we're free because they can drive around whenever they want to and they can go ride their jet skis and do all of these things. But you're demanded, you're expected to perform. There is a dollar amount on your body. 
There is a bond on your body. That's what your so that's what our social security number is. This is what our birth certificate is. This is why when we die, they 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 you know go over our life and see what our life's worth was, you know, to to handle a lawsuit. You you understand what I'm saying? We are worth money. I we are worth money. Absolutely do. So when we're not performing as expected, we're looked down upon. We're look we're you know and and that is how the poor class is looked upon. When it comes to this nation I never thought about when it comes to this yeah. nation right here, we are the poor class is enslaved to the upper class. We are expected to work now. There's no standard forty hour week for the poor class anymore. The poor class is working sixty to eighty hours a week. Just to pay bills. Just to survive, yeah. Just to pay bills. You know? And and then if yeah. you want a little something on the extra to take a trip with your kids or or Christmas, you gotta go get a side hustle. You gotta door dash in the evenings and things like that. So it's 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 just a constant hamster wheel that we're on and it's to generate money. That's all we're here for. They're not here. To, the government is not, they don't care about fixing our school system. They don't care about our health care system for the poor. They don't care about the poor communities at all. Because they're just going to grind right. us out until we die. And they know that somebody else is going to fill right in. But meanwhile, all of those people are out on golf courses and they're spending all the time with their family and they're building up their structures, you know, and, and solidifying their bloodlines meanwhile we're down here slaving grinding just just to just to pay bills so history does repeat itself over and over and over doesn't it as long as we keep making the same mistakes yeah yeah i hear you i hear you and i agree with you a hundred thousand percent i just <laughs> I want to be that change. I want to be that change to help that change. And this is what I tell. And I'm doing it. And and this is what I tell my. This is what I tell my communities when they say that, Debbie. Start your own nonprofit. Start your own community outreach. Just just as I'm doing, for just as, as for people who don't understand what's going on, they're frustrated. They don't. They they want somebody to talk to, and just start explaining. We need unity in our communities. We need unity in our communities. We need to start building organizations in each one of our communities, Debbie, that we handle our own business. We stop calling the police on people. If there's an issue down here on 103rd and 5th Avenue or whatever, we go to the community outreach. We go to the leaders. We say, listen, we need some activists over here to see what's going on. And that community outreach is supposed to get 100, 200 activists there in the community, you know, old gang members that, that are now want to do things and people like you that want to do things and, and clean up the community. And they're supposed to go there and find out what's going on instead of just sitting on the couch and calling the police on each other. Yeah, we have gotten lazy. We've gotten entitled. We've gotten lazy and we don't want to handle problems. We just want the government to come in and fix everything. And right. and being in prison, I could tell you when that happens, the government comes in, they don't solidify the problem. They just do a sweeping hand and they take away everything so that 
they feel that that problem won't occur anywhere else any you know anymore but that don't work for community right because what goes on in California doesn't go on in Florida and it doesn't go on in West Virginia it's different right. one fix isn't isn't all yeah we're yeah it's it's different around here you you don't call it law on people that that shit gets you shot <laughs> Yeah, you, you take care of your own shit here. What happens here stays here. They like it that way. So it's already a different entity in and itself. I mean, look where we're at as a human race. People will call the police and lie on them. They will lie on another person that could that could alter their their whole being, all because this person may have said something that offends them. You know, it's 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 the craziest thing that I've ever seen. People will holler rape just because they want to hurt somebody or, or or have them put in jail. You don't know how many people, Debbie, how many dudes are in prison because their woman was mad at them or found or caught them cheating or something like that and either planted dope on them or hollered rape on them. And then after they get 15, 20 years. The person, the girl, will call you know, be writing them, talking about how sorry they are and and what can they do and all this stuff. So then they'll come to the law library, like you know, listen, man, I got, you know, the 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 person, the victim, and they're saying that they want to help, and then we got to try to write motions and things based upon that. It's it's just, why do we do that? That is what has to stop. Understand firsthand, my brother-in-law, my husband's brother, spent 17 and a half years in West Virginia prison because his wife got upset at him and said that he raped their 17-year-old daughter. He spent 17 and a half years. You know how he got out? Oh. She did the same thing to other boyfriends afterwards. Same accusations, only using her granddaughter. Mm. Yeah, he never did that shit. He's sitting in prison being called Chester the Molester for 17 and a half years and never did that. So, yeah, I do know how people's words can change another person's life out of hate. Yeah, and, I and, do. And the thing See, I'm surrounded by it. The point of and, that, the point of that is... And that, and the reason why that occurs, Debbie, is because truth and justice is not a priority of our criminal justice system. Convictions are. This is why somebody can lie so easily and they find this person because they build a story around that lie to get the conviction. They don't look for the truth. Amen to that. They absolutely don't. You're right. I mean, we're preaching to the choir here because I feel you on it. I no, hear because, exactly what you're saying. Because I recorded this whole conversation. That means I'm going to turn this into an episode. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. It is. But, so what would you need to know specifically 
about Rusty's case that would help you to understand what we need to do or what we can do or get it noticed or, or, or something. Well, we would just have to put together the facts, you know, again, just like with when you're dealing with the court of law, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. So we could sit around all day talking about how Rusty is innocent and he didn't commit this and this and that. But we have to put the facts in the people's face. So even the most the most, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the non-believer who just there, there's no denying it, you know, and that's and that's essentially what we have to do with these people because it's like you have to hold their face down to the water you know to make them drink and you just have to put it in their face black and white like you can say what you want to say but this person is innocent here's the facts of his innocence and there's nothing else you can say about that right so in, in building episodes this is what i try to tell the people is just to provide as many facts as you can that even even that if if you if we don't have some facts on some things, it's still believable because the truth always makes sense. You know what I mean? Well, that goes yes, and that goes back to in his case, you know, hiding evidence that would have certainly made the jury not, you know, find him guilty. I mean hidden evidence for 40 years how is that possible who is that good that they can hide that stuff listen if you haven't heard about the case of Temujin Kinsu after you hear that case I heard you talk I, I yeah well just just go listen to the first episode I have with him where he he explains okay. and breaks down his case after you hear something like that, his trial, the trials of Temujin Kinsu, uh, Fred, Freddie Freeman is his government name. After you hear that, then you, you don't question any corruption anymore because if they can do this to an innocent kid, they can do it to anybody. And it was all because the mayors, the mayor of, of, I believe it was Port Huron, his son was a crackhead. And was involved in a deal that went bad, got killed with a shotgun. We don't know who killed him, but we do know that uh, a female named Crystal was with Scott at the time. Scott is the deceased. And I think in order to cover up the fact that the mayor's son got killed in a crack deal gone bad, they... They put pressure on Crystal. She turned around, which Temujin was her side boyfriend. Temujin was just a, he was 22, 23. He was a kid that really didn't have nowhere to go out on his own, but survive. And he was pretty popular. This was the middle 80s. So he was big in martial arts. You know, when, when they have like the Steven Seagal movies, you know, the mid, the mid 80s was all that martial arts ninja crap. So he was, he was okay. big into that. So they painted Debbie a story around this kid and framed him and and he has been in prison for 36 years still in prison right now fighting the okay. governor up in Michigan right now she could have let him go in January on on a uh, and and she denied his his uh motion his clemency so 
he's still fighting. Everybody has agreed. Everybody has agreed that this is the most outlandish trial that has ever been heard in the country, and he's still in prison. His own attorney was a crackhead that was an informant for the police department that was going around setting up buys in, in the city of Detroit and stuff like that, and then turn around and defending them and sending them to prison. This was his attorney. Wow. That's crazy, and he's got all that proof. All that yes. proof. Halfway through halfway through the trial, his attorney was asking asking his defendant, Tamujin, if he knew anybody that he could get cocaine from. <laughs> So basically, they framed him, but they're still okay. So hear me out here. They're still protecting somebody. This is why he's still incarcerated. Well, they're protecting the corruption because they know one. They know Tamujin is a very conservative-speaking person. He's not. He's not a, a a very liberal person. He's very conservative. So. First and foremost, Michigan is a very liberal state, right? And they don't like how he talks, for one. For two, they know that when he gets out, nine times out of ten, he's probably going to sue the fuck out of these people for millions and millions and millions of dollars. And there's nothing that they can do about it because there's so much evidence displaying the corruption. So, in order to stop that, they would rather just leave this innocent person in prison. Right. And that's, and that's what they're doing. Does he have an attorney right now? Is he doing pro se or what? We have, listen, we have over 30, 30 or 35 organizations that have, he's been on podcasts. He's got 12 hours on my podcast. I actually need to call and do another interview with him. Um, I mean, there, there's, there's, there's schools all across the nation that are speaking out for him. Like the nation is speaking out for this guy. He's been on, he's been on so many shows. They've done documentaries on him. There's a movie coming out about his story and he's still in prison. That's insane. There's a man in Arizona right now, Debbie, that got seven life sentences for marijuana. Nobody died. Nobody, nobody got killed. Nobody died. This man is in prison. He's been in prison for 13 and a half years for, for, and got seven life sentences for marijuana. His name is Frank Kepler. How is that even possible? Because we allow these things to happen. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's just my human mind going, how is that possible? But yes, I hear you. Uh, oh my gosh. And this was, and this was all based off the, off an informant. This was a case he was just, distri- he was just trafficking marijuana with a buddy and his buddy was trying to set him up to get robbed. So in the robbery process, Frank beat the shit out of everybody and his buddy took off. So his buddy was scared that Frank was going to kill him. And so he went to the police 
and told the police everything in promise of immunity that he wouldn't be charged with anything. So they told they told him all about Frank's smuggling routine and all of that stuff, which the guy was smuggling a lot of marijuana. So they told him they promised the informant that they would make sure that he never got out of prison ever again if they cooperated and that they would give him immunity. That's how they gave him the seven life sentences. Okay, so during Frank's trial, did they did they tell the jury that they had this guy that was a partner in crime with him? I mean, was that he was going to get full immunity? All of that stuff was all, that mentioned? All of did that. All of that comes out. But see, the issue is, is that the community, the jurors, really don't understand what that means, and 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 right. and the way that it's painted. It's painted in such a fashion that the community would agree with this person that's cooperating because they make it look like this person that's cooperating is an upstanding citizen that got caught up in in some mess. And and, you know, this person coerced them into this crime and they they victimize these these snitches so that these jurors can sympathize with them and and. A law abiding citizen would simply understand that and be like, I would tell on these people, too. Right. And that's what they do. And then that that poses the question of why are juries made up of citizens that have absolutely no knowledge whatsoever of the laws? I mean, heck, most grand jurors don't even know that they can ask to see the evidence. They can ask questions. They just sit there and listen to whatever the prosecutor spills on them, and then they go deliberate. Because it's been, it's it's been made it's a design. How many shows have we seen, Debbie, throughout the years? Seinfeld was big on it, but how many popular shows have we seen where they make fun of jury duty? It's 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 always yeah. trying to get out of jury. Oh, I got jury duty. How do I get out of it? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's everybody's trying to get out of jury duty. They've designed it that way to make it a laborious thing so that people don't want to go to jury duty. It's all been manipulation in order it's to, to, to further their agenda and their scheme. And it's worked. Uh-huh. It has. Because everybody's a sheep. And they don't think for themselves. You know, I used to say that about people. And... And I understand a whole lot more now, you know, is, is it's not that, that these people are sheep. It's that it's the human essence is companionship and trust and love. That is the essence of us. We have to trust somebody, you know, we have to love somebody. And that's easily taken advantage of and manipulated when you have a system that looks like it's your protector, but it's really not. And once that manipulation has been set into these people where anybody that speaks out against this protector is the unprotector, is the enemy, it's hard to undo that. It's hard to undo that. It's like your best friend coming to you that you've known your whole life and telling you something about a stranger. Who are you going to naturally believe? 
So it's not that it's not that they're sheep. It's just that they've been made to believe something. And then on top of that belief, they're so distracted in life by working bills and all of these other things that they really don't have the the time for self-management and research to really look into these things that they're being told through media. So they trust the news because they've always been told to trust the news. And they really don't have the time to, one, process what they've heard and research what they've heard. It's just take what they've heard as gold because they've been told that the news you can trust. CNN, all these news articles repeatedly put that in your ears. A news, a news station you can trust. News you can trust. The number one news source in the world. News you can trust. This is all we hear over and over again. Mm-hmm. Subliminal thoughts. Absolutely. These are these are world psychologists, psychiatrists that put together these programs for for government to to instill. These people have been attacking yeah, our, yeah. our thought process from the beginning. And it's trickling yeah, down to our children. Happening. It's trickling down to our children. It is. And it's like I tell my daughter. One of the biggest observations I saw with my daughter was her thought process is Google. Her critical thought process is Google. It's not problem solving anymore. So they have instilled a program now to know what our thought process is because our first thought is Google. Anytime we don't know something, we go to Google. We don't actually try to put together the pieces and critically think about the problem. We just go to Google. And then we take whatever Google says and apply it to our lives as if it's the truth. So now these people know what our thought process is and they're and they're controlling our thought process, our critical thought process. Algorithms. Yep, you're right. You're absolutely right. I can't deny a word you've said. That's this is what I'm trying to wake our communities up to start thinking for yourself. Start getting back out into the communities and start being nicer to people. Start communicating, you know. Just get together and talk to people. We have to stop bullying each other because somebody, you know, somebody has a speech impediment or maybe what they're saying isn't articulate enough or intelligent enough and the other person wants to bully them or shame them. This is what stops us from wanting to talk or be open and communicate. You're right. I, I personally am raising two autistic children and I have an older son who's autistic. So I understand that on a level that most people don't. Well, bless your heart and your strength. <laughs> yeah, and I'm still reaching out to help other people. It's, that's, just, that's, that's why I said people need to think for themselves. They need to they need to research. Like you said, they need to look deeper than what the surface shows or what the media talks about because 
just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Just like the corruption, it's there. And only certain people are seeing it. Or they're seeing it and they just want to ignore it because they're too busy living life. But really, are they living life? Right. They're living a lie. And I hold, I hold people accountable for their words, you know. So when they doubt the corruption, I just simply put stats in their face. If you're a person that likes to deal with, with, with facts and stats, then how do you account for these stats? If corruption isn't there, then how do you account for these stats continuously progressing versus regressing? We're getting worse. We have 3 million people incarcerated, almost 3 million people incarcerated in our country. That's 75 times more than any other country on the face of the planet. So now what you're telling me is that only America harbors the most evilest people on the planet or we are just a corrupt nation, which you can't have evil without corruption. So if we're harboring the most evil people on the planet, then there's corruption. So you can't get around it. Anything that you say, you can't get around the fact that there's corruption. And then they want to say, oh, well, we know that there's, I'm sure that there's some that are corrupt and this and that. Okay. Some is not going to account for these stats. That's true. Some is not going to account for it. How do we account for the fact that our public school system has been ranked in the low 20s forever? At least the last 40 years I've been alive. And there's never been no, no real push for education in this nation. We just got a, a $1.6 trillion infrastructure bill because our roads need to be built, you know, uh, uh, tightened up. When have we ever passed anything that, like that for education, for the public school system? And when is it, has, has it really ever made it to the public school system? It never has because it's not a priority. But yet, almost... I would I would I would gather probably 90% of our incarcerated come out of the public school system. Yeah. That that makes you think, doesn't it? Why is it only in poor neighborhoods all the elements of crime? Why only in the poor neighborhoods? Why is only in the poor neighborhoods gun shops, alcohol shops, strip clubs, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, casinos, right. all the elements of crime. Right here in Tampa, you have the Hard Rock Cafe, a billion dollar facility sitting right in the middle of the hood. Right next to the police station. Why? Yeah, yeah. Go in and have a drink, and we'll rest you on your way out. Because all the oppression, Crazy. all the all the pressure is on the poor class, and then and then pressure oh, yeah. bus pressure bus pipes. They know they know that if they apply the right amount of pressure, a certain percentage of these people are going to commit crimes in these elements that's around them. And they just sit back and wait for that to happen. Yeah, they dangle the carrot until you bite, huh? And this is what I try to get the people to understand, Debbie, is that 
this country created law, which then created crime. The law came first. They made the law to create the crime. And that is how it's been going ever since. People think I'm crazy. But when you go back and you sit there and you look at the 13th Amendment, it did not abolish slavery. It legalized slavery. And then after the 13th Amendment, they started creating laws to incarcerate black men. So if you did not have a job, you went to prison and you went to, to prison labor. Who was hiring black people back then? Nobody. They were going around just sweeping up black men off the streets and sending them to prison and putting them right back on the railroads, right back on the Sun Belt, building all these industrial uh, uh, companies. They created the law to incarcerate. They created the law, which then created the crime for them to incarcerate so that they can continue the labor. And it has been ongoing ever since. And now they turned it into a, a monetization. So it's an industry now. Never quite looked at it that way, but you pose a good point. <laughs> We're not asking, I'm not asking people in the communities to forgive criminals and forgive crimes because at the end of the day, everybody has their choices. But we can only choose our right. choices from the pond of choices that are there. If we're only fishing from one pond and all the fish in that pond are polluted, we're only catching polluted fish. So we're, our choices, if all our choices are negative, if all my decisions, my only means of survival is all negative means. I've only been taught how to, how to sell drugs. I've only been taught how to pimp women. I've only been taught how to, to be masculine and, and overpower people, bully people. My only choices as a juvenile coming up into a, into a young adulthood is going to be negative solutions to these problems that I'm facing because that's all that's there. That's true. I mean, that, that's very true. And you got to survive. And that's what everybody does is that's their first instinct is to survive. And they don't look at it from a, a law standpoint at that point. They're thinking about eating or clothing themselves or survival. You know, as a, as a drug dealer, because that's what I was. I was a drug dealer. I was a kid who was left to his own accord. I really, uh, I was taught no skills, really, no trades, anything like that. And I just, I just started selling drugs to survive at a very, very young age as a teenager. And through that whole period, going into my young adulthood, my 20s and things of that nature, I wanted to stop. I did not want to sell drugs. I did not want to be a drug dealer. I wanted to be a dad and a family man and, and have a good life and be respectable. That's how I wanted to be. I just did not know how to do it. I didn't know how to do it. I signed up for ITT, right? I went to International Technical School for Training in Computers. And I was trying to, to better my life and get a degree and learn something because I, I, I knew that I did not want to continue doing what I was doing. I just didn't know any other way. And I continued selling drugs and I got wrapped up into a federal conspiracy and I went to prison for 13 and a half years. And, and my point to that is that I didn't want to be a drug. I didn't want to commit crime. I just didn't know any other way. 
and and me going to ITT at that time, you know, I, I couldn't because the the work I, I just couldn't be a dishwasher at twenty some years old. I had no work experience. I had no, and maybe some people have that type of work ethic in them. It's been instilled in them, and they'll go and work two or three jobs to to not commit a crime and get through school. But that wasn't in me. It wasn't instilled in me. That work ethic, that follow through, that hard, it just wasn't there. I was always taught well, to... Not only that, the simple... Go ahead. The hustle. The simple thing is that's what you were taught. That's what you knew. Those are my choices. All right. my choices were, were hustles. You, you know what I mean? I could, I could, I, I could, I could choose to be a jack boy. I could choose to be a dope boy. I could choose to be, you know, a, a, a pimp. I could choose to be, these were my choices. Like, what was I going to choose to survive? Well, not only that, if, if that's what you knew and that's what you've been doing, it'd be really hard to know what kind of, you know, revenue you could get off of that kind of stuff in just a few minutes versus what it would take to make that same amount washing a dish, legitly. Right. I mean, I get it. Right. That's exactly right. I would bust my ass sweating, scrubbing pans to at the end of the week maybe get $250 or go out for three hours and make $1,000. Right. Totally get it. And the problems that I was having, the problems that I was having at that time, that $250 wasn't going to scrape it. Uh-uh. Nope. I know as much as you didn't want to do it, because there was a whole lot of other stuff along with that that you probably didn't want to put yourself in, but that's what you knew, and that's what you'd done. And even though you wanted to change, you just didn't know how to do it without, well, without going hungry, literally. And I still don't, Debbie. I'm 47 years old. I'm still out here struggling. I still don't know how to survive in, in, in a normal, consistent, routine manner that people just get up and go to work every day for these companies and make them all the money, but yet they come home and they have no time. with. I still cannot do that. I still have to be my yeah. own person, and, and I'm still trying to learn how to capitalize off that, you know? So it's, it's just, these are the hurdles that we face. But I know one thing is I'll never commit another crime because I understand what crime is now. And I understand that they are waiting for me to do that so that they can point their finger back at me, put me back under a, a statistical sheet somewhere, and then use me as, as the, the model uh, prisoner, you know, returning back to prison. The, the, this is the model criminal right here. This go this guy right here just goes to show that you just cannot change a criminal's mind and all this stuff. You know? They're not gonna do that with me. Well, I'm glad to hear that and I know that a hundred percent that's the truth. But the thing about it is is they don't really do anything while you're incarcerated to 
to help you get back into the real world, to not want to do crime, to teach you a different lesson than than the pond you had to fish from from when you were brought up. But they don't give you any tools or it's not rehabilitation. Let's put it that way. They do the bare minimum. The, they do the bare minimum to keep the money coming in. Same as a lot of these organizations out here do. A lot of these organizations will go and they'll just pass. They'll work with these representatives and 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 get some legislation passed that does absolutely nothing, just so that they can start getting grants and get money coming in and and things of that nature, you know. But it does absolutely nothing. So we have a lot of organizations out here that do that as well. You know, they they capitalize off yeah. the system as 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 they they do because it's that if you can't beat them, join them mentality. Yep. And that's what needs to stop because that's just fueling the fire. This is why I won't accept federal grants or federal money into my business. You know, I could easily go out and get a grant, but I don't want that because then it's going to be held against me. Yep. You know, so this is why I urge the community to to support me in any way that they can by making sure that they subscribe or visit my my merchandise store, donate, you know, however it is. If you believe in what it is that I'm doing and saying, I need support. And I also urge the community to keep an eye out for me because these conversations that I have are dangerous, dangerous conversations. These conversations are, yeah. are ripping the blanket off of they're dirty little secrets. Right? And very true. And just like I, I, I tell my listeners, if you ever see that I'm not posting on TikTok, I'm not posting on Facebook, I'm not putting nothing on YouTube or my Spotify or any of my podcast platforms, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And I commit no crime. So if they got if these people are trying to say that I committed a crime. You know what time it is, you know, and, and I, I'm putting my faith. I'm sacrificed, Debbie, I'm sacrificing myself for the community and putting faith that if something was to happen to me, that that community would step up and protect me. I hear you loudly. I hear exactly what you're saying. And I hope that you do have in place some person that has all of your information and could be the person that would let us know something that we could help. You know what I mean? Like, because you are putting yourself out there every time you come on because you're saying stuff that's the truth and nobody wants to hear the truth anymore or ever. YouTube demonetized me. So, so they cut my money off on YouTube because Google AdSense refuses to, to run advertisements on my channel because they say that I'm too controversial. They want me to, to change my content. Yet these other convict channels that speak about prison can talk about men raping men, killing men, all the violence of prison. They can glorify gang violence and all of this stuff. And they're making buku money from these people. TikTok, they yes. TikTok censors oh. me left and right, left and right. Any any videos that I put out about community or, or community awareness uh, gets maybe ten views, but anything else gets eight hundred, a thousand views, 
you know. That's crazy. But I mean, I, 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 I'm with you. I see what they do. Monitor, monitor, monitor. <laughs> but it's based off of their own views. It's all in which con- are lies. Yep, it's all in controlling a narrative. Yeah, it, it's all in controlling a narrative. It's controlling thought process, and not allowing people to 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 think freely, not having two sides of the story. Man, it's almost in a sense. It's almost in a sense where, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to manipulate you, right? And I know, and I know, you're gonna go back and 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 talk to your homegirl about what I'm trying to manipulate you about. So, I'm gonna go to your homegirl before you get to her, and manipulate her as well, so that now when you go to her, that story is already there. You're never getting the other side of the story. You're never getting the truth. You're only getting one side of the story. That's how manipulation, triangulation works. I understand. And it does happen, and it happens so much. It's crazy. The only way we're gonna, the only way we're gonna beat this, Debbie, is 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 just what you and I are doing, having communication, open, freely, you know, being able to speak with each other without getting emotions and hearing, no matter how crazy it sounds, you know. But let the person just speak and hear the person out, and have enough logic in your own sense to ask questions. Well, hold on one second. You say that people are running around drinking the blood of babies, but like, where does that come from? How? How does that happen? Instead of just saying you're crazy, but just try to understand and maybe things will make sense. I don't know if I believe that these people are running around drinking the blood of babies. I don't know. But I have seen the depravity of what human beings can do to one another. So is it far-fetched to me? No. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked because... There are some crazy human beings out there that have some illogical thoughts. Yeah. You know, but there's nothing there that I've seen or experienced with my own eyes or witnessed or processed that would lead me to believe that they're they're kidnapping these babies to drink their blood. But we know it's happened. We know there's cults out there that sacrifice children in the name of Satan and drink their blood. So who the fuck really knows? But we know we do know we do know a lot of children disappear out of the foster care system. A lot of kids disappear, period, foster or not. It's just insane. What? Yeah, that's a whole nother day's topic. (laughs) It's insane. I don't. It's a scary world we live in. Yes, it is, and that's why we have to be aware, and you have to be, and you have to be centered of self, because if you're not, 
we're in an evil place. You know, this is the evil place that we're in. And I think that we're we're expected to find goodness in that. And and that's when we kind of transition from material to spiritual. But if you're allowing this sure, there's no fear right. But if you have no beacon, then you'll just be overtaken by the evilness, the darkness. This is what the Bible says. First there was darkness, and oh was it dark, was it great. That's the evilness. But then came light. That's the process. The darkness is first. The evil is first. But then came light. And we got to stay in that light. We got to keep shining that light. And that's people. Are, it's just easier to fall back into the dark where you're not seen. And, and you don't have to be any more than what you aspire to be at that moment. I mean, you've got to aspire to be more than but we know we know that we still have to be social in some aspect like we cannot be completely reclusive one that's just not human nature you know we're we're compatible you know we need we seek companionship so the the thing that i found in my life debbie is that like you just said it's so much easier to fall back into the darkness but we know that when we're in the darkness, we have to lie. We have to cheat. We have to steal. You know, we have to portray that we're good people because we have to be sociable and we don't want to be ostracized for displaying our insecurities or anything of that nature. It's so much harder to, to lie and cheat and steal than just to be yourself. And And when I started realizing like, my whole life, I was trying to be a good person. And in doing that, I was manipulating people into thinking I was a good person, but I wasn't. And once I found that just being a good person is so much easier. I don't have to worry about what people think about me. I don't have to worry about what lies I've told what person. I don't have to worry about trying to follow up these lies and continue them going and all of these things because I was just covering insecurities of mine. Once I started loving yeah. me, once yes. I once I yes. just started loving me and saying, you know what, this is me, this is what I got, and I'm just gonna make the best of it, and damn what another person thinks. Like all of that pressure of insecurity and, and manipulation and lies and cheat and all that stuff was just gone off me. It just vanished instantly. Some may say that the spirit takes you or whatever, you know, but that is that that alleviation, that relief of just like taking your mask off. You know what I mean? Just taking your mask off and just be like, man, this is me. Well, you were your authentic self when you did that. You didn't have to pretend anymore. You accepted who you were and let the world see it. And if they didn't like you, well, that's okay because maybe somebody else did or it didn't matter. You had your own self-security then. And I'm good with that. And, and, everybody, and, every, day, and every day, Debbie, every single day I'm tempted, the devil tempts me. 
And and we say these things, man, and, and, and people think, oh, well, I hear it and it's religious. It's not religious, right? Because I'm not a religious person. I don't subscribe to religion. But when I say the devil tempts me, it's so that people can relate. Temptation is right. always there, right? To go back into sin, go back into evil, go back and fall, you know, to regress. That temptation is always there. I have people come to me every day that be telling me, well, maybe you just need to like fall back just a little bit, you know, kind of watch what you say or, you know, maybe not do this so much. I have every day I have people telling me how I have to alter self in order to get ahead or appease other people. Every day I'm tempted by an outside entity to change my demeanor, who I am, how I think, how I speak, how I walk, how I dress, every day. Because of somebody else's perception of how I should be or how they feel I could be winning better or getting more in their eyes. Instead of just helping me as me, you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, because when you compromise, you give up something of yourself to do that. You shouldn't have to compromise who you are for anything. Why? For material Why you need gain. To, you need to be good. Yeah, but you don't need that. That's not the material gain that you want because it's fake. It's false. It's fabricated. It's it's a lie. That's right. Just be you, man. You. Just you. Well, Debbie... This has been an hour and 12 minutes. <laughs> see? See how we are? <laughs> and this is, but see, this is exactly why I've started recording all my conversations because I know by now that every conversation that I have is, is deep, it's thoughtful, it's intellectual, and it's meaningful. It may not be right in some people's lives, but... It's attributable. Almost every conversation that I have. And it's it's a burden on me because I'll go out on dates, I'll meet people, and like we get into these conversations. They may start off about the weather. They may just want to talk about squirrels and animals, and I'm talking about the philosophies of life. It just every conversation spirals into intense, deep, thoughtful, meaningful conversations. And a lot of people can't handle that i get a lot of do you ever lighten up do you ever talk about anything not so serious no because to me this this is just this is enjoyment for me this is my pacification seeking truth knowledge wisdom enlightenment so this is why i started recording all these conversations because there was a lot of conversations that I would have with people that don't have these conversations all the time. And you never know what that person may bring out because they've been suppressing for so long. And it's, it's, they turn into beautiful, beautiful conversations. And I was missing so many of those that I wanted to share with so many people. So I just record them and look, look what you and I produced. Absolutely. Well, I hate to say it, but I mean, not really hate to say it, but I'm a lot like you in 
people say, lighten up, you know, da, 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 da. I'm always talking the way you and I are talking. It's just, I'm my authentic self and that's what leads me spiritually. And if people don't like it, they just don't hang out anymore. It's all good. Amen. And that's where we all have to be. <laughs> we all have to yeah. be there. In our interactions with humans, at that point, I feel like will be more based upon need of self in that moment. It'll be accurate need of self because everybody understands that self is the most important thing. And in doing that, we have to give in order to receive for self. So we don't have to wear the masks and the fake bravado and all of this stuff and getting people to like one another or, or it, it wouldn't be so easy to manipulate people. People wouldn't be so easily distracted by the Hunger Games and all this this crap that they put in their face for entertainment. We would find our own entertainment. I, I'm entertained just by yeah. being outside and watching life and being part of life, being interactive with people, going in the communities. Like, that is my entertainment. Yes. I am totally with you on all of that. <laughs> Yeah, it is really good to talk to you. You're you're just a very, very good soul. And I think you're doing great things. Well, I appreciate that, my man. You stay safe today. Take care. And uh, make somebody smile today. Somebody out there needs a smile. Yep. Yes, you are right. You have a very blessed day yourself, Thomas. And it was good to talk to you. Amen. Take care. Stay safe. All right. Bye. Later.